This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Over and over and over and over again, people in the network are helping other people in the network find places to fish, places to vacation, and actually care whether or not it works for them all types you know and if i we if we if we did a if we did a post right now on instagram and needed some information about a small place in texas we'd have it in 10 minutes you know what i mean and that is what i mean by the real guy network everybody's captain jeff and you guys are listening to the tom Rowland podcast That was Jeff Maggio, Captain Jeff Maggio, also known as the Lunker Dog. Lunker Dog is a, is a personality. He's a YouTube personality. We've done a full-length podcast with him before, but he runs an event called LunkerCon. I went this year, and I had a great opportunity to meet many of you guys. There were probably three or 400 people there, according to Jeff, and uh, it was great. It was a fantastic event. If you don't know about LunkerCon, you're going to learn a little bit more about it. It's an event that Jeff put together. And has been running for many years. It's a great opportunity for the fishing community to get together. And this year, it uh, benefited two great organizations, CCA. And if you heard the podcast with Blair Wiggins about the work he's doing with CCA, you can you can uh, have an idea of some of the impact that they have. They're a much bigger organization than just that project. They have so much going on, as well as Captains for Clean Water and two organizations that I think very highly of. And Jeff was kind enough to use the proceeds from this year's LunkerCon to go to those two organizations. So not only was it a great event to meet and greet and talk to people and exchange information, but it was also for two great causes. So I caught up to Jeff the morning after LunkerCon. Moving a little slow, but the morning after LunkerCon, and we caught up to find out exactly what is this thing Why did he get it started, and where's it going? Stand by for the Lunker Dog 
Captain Jeff Maggio. All right, here we are. Post LunkerCon. Post LunkerCon, and I'm feeling post LunkerCon this morning. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. So 10.30 in the morning, that's not early, or that is early for you. A little early for me. The old tarpon guide thing is uh, got me on a nocturnal schedule, so I'm more of a night person for sure. Uh-huh. And then last night we had, uh, we're, we're back at the Tarpon River Brewing um, Company here today, and it is a much quieter, much cleaner, much... Uh, more subdued environment than it was, let's say, uh, what, 10 hours ago? Yeah, totally different, totally different atmosphere. But I don't think that's going to last for long because of the uh, Bahama Relief gathering they're going to have here today. It's going to get nuts here around one thirty, two o'clock. Is that right? Yeah. And um, <clears throat> that's interesting because i got another podcast scheduled right after this. So hopefully <laughs> it's not too nuts or it happens in the back there. So LunkerCon, this was my first one. And I had heard about LunkerCon. I had seen it, you know, on social media and things like that. I had really no idea what to expect. Right. How did how did LunkerCon get started? Well, I mean, LunkerCon got started, I don't know, it was probably about 12 years ago when uh, our YouTube channels were starting to really blossom. We did a live event at Lauderdale Marina, which is basically just a uh, gas dock and marina and uh, has a small outdoor bar. We had a gathering there. And it was more of a, uh, started off being a local tarpon and snook fishing tournament mm-hmm. for, yeah, call it 15 or 20, you know, boats. And um, we had the gathering there and uh, before the tournament, you know, to talk about it and go over the rules and all that. And we had a lot of people show up because of the YouTube channel and a lot of participation. The following year, we actually geared up for it. And um, we actually went live on Ustream back then. Back then, Ustream was the only game to go live on, um, you know, on, on, on your computer or on social media. And there wasn't too many people on Ustream. We got on there and we had like 100 people watch live online from Ustream. And then we had like 100 people there. And we had such a good time because there was no real agenda. It was just a bunch of the dudes that were fishing in the tournaments got together and Really had a blast. And then, um, of course, with this being live online, you know, it added some luster to it. Mm -hmm. And um, so we decided to do it again the next year. And then, you know, it was like 150 people showed up. And then it just kind of grew, snowballed organically. Now, today, people look forward to it. We get hundreds and hundreds of people to show up. And um, they'll start talking about next year's LunkaCon this week as they're posting their pictures from last night. And it's just an organic party that's not normal in, you know, the fishing industry. And um, I think, you know, now that you're able to see it and feel it, I think the big thing about LunkerCon is, you know, the people like yourself that show up, it's just your time to hang out. Right. You know, you don't have to, you know, put on your your sponsor face or your corporate face. There's no real goal in mind. So people can let loose. People leave their egos at the door. And um, I think because of that, it's just a different atmosphere and people are really attracted to it. So I think it's cool that you were here. I think a lot of other people, you know, enjoyed it. You know, they see, they see people fishing on TV. They'll walk right by you and <clears throat> maybe not say anything, you know, cause you know, men are tough, you know, <laughs> 
But at LongerCon, you know, <clears throat> everybody's smiling. Everybody wants to meet each other. Everybody wants to shake hands and take pictures. And right, yeah. You know, so you know, that's 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 LongerCon. You know, it's it's an event. You know what we say? It's by real guys for real guys, and um, people take into it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I believe that as social media is more and more a part of our life. Sometimes face-to-face is less and less part of our life. <clears throat> and I think that these events like this where you get people together, I think, that's, I think that's the future of social media where you can announce these things. Right. But actually getting people together, I think that more and more, the more people are ingesting little tiny bits of information like Twitter, the more they have a craving for face-to-face conversation. Yeah. And they may not even realize it yet. I mean, I'm talking like kids, not people our age, but like kids don't may not realize it. Like so much of their communication in this world is just behind a keyboard or behind their phone. And it's in 150 characters or less. And uh, and and they don't realize that they have this natural craving for getting together. But I think that. um I think what you're doing is is awesome. I can't believe I hadn't come before, but you know the keys are. As I say, not exactly right around the corner. Yeah, no, it's not around the corner. But it's something that I'm glad I made time for and and wanted to come because it's really a it's really a pretty cool thing that you got going on, like getting this started and creating this, and then seeing the community rally behind it. Like there were so many guides that gave away trips last night. There were so many people that gave away whatever their services were. And I'm sure that you raised a whole bunch of money. And then the other cool thing about it is that you chose to have this money go towards conservation with the CCA and Captains for Clean Water. And so what has it done in the past? Well, I mean, normally, um, well, like you said, the the amount of stuff that we were able to give away, I mean, we were up close to $10,000 in, you know, retail value of the stuff we were able to give away last night. And the stuff we were able to give away last night is somewhat, you know, appealing to the people that are in you know, into the fishing world. But the cool thing about it is I didn't have to ask anybody for anything. Hmm. They volunteer it. And um, that started organically about six years ago where, you know, like we spent a couple grand doing the promotion, you know, getting the bands, the shirts, the stickers, the banners, the lights, you know, all the different stuff. And over the years, you know, we're like, well, if we can make a couple thousand dollars back, to pay for it, you know, everybody's happy. And then, you know, because the event's gotten so big over the years and because of the water quality issues that so many of the real guys like you and me are actually a part of now, I just thought it was the timing was right to make it a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. The uh, Captains for Clean Waters, you know, I, I, I feel like even though I don't, I don't see those people a lot, but I feel like I'm one of them. Yeah. And then the CCA, which I never really was that big into because I just felt like their organization was so huge that a lot of the South Florida stuff gets overlooked. But Mike Lambrex, who's the president of the CCA here in Broward County, I have a good relationship with. And I figure if I can help him, then he'll help Broward and Dade County where we are. And um, it just felt right this year to make it a fundraiser. Yeah. And I'm sure we, I didn't count the dough from last night yet, but I'm sure we raised a ton of money. And the guys that show up that are willing to help with that, like Carrie Chen, all I did was message Carrie and say, hey, 
love to have you at LunkerCon. I wanted to personally invite you. And he was on it, you know? Wow, I didn't realize he was here. I've always wanted to meet him. Yeah, he I didn't was, get to meet him. He was pretty quiet, you know, kind of. Uh, he sat down, he had lunch, he made his his connections and his handshakes and took a few pictures. And then, uh, you know, he got out of here before it got too nuts, <laughs> you know? And then, and, and, and that's the other thing, too, is like the contrast between the different people that are here. So you got Carrie Chen, who's a little older, and call him distinguished, mm-hmm. you know? And then, on the other hand, at the end of the night, when there's almost nobody here, it's just me and uh, Peter Miller and the band and you call them the, the late nighters, you know, the guys that close the party, you know, so you got the, the Carrie Chens and the Morris Cheney's and the, you know, the older people, Eric Leach was here all the way to the guys that are closing the party <laughs> and then everybody in between. And then the kids that showed up, right. You know, I love to see the kids because the kids watch you guys, on social media they see the tv shows and then there's other people that have big presences on youtube like black Tip beach and you know um but those kids don't get a chance to actually mix mingle take pictures and feel like they're part of those people mm-hmm. so over the years you know the kids know that the, the 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 youtubers and stuff and tv guys are going to be here and you can just see in their face you know they watch somebody like you walk by and, you know, they're just staring, you know, and then you put your arm around them and take a picture and they immediately they're showing their friends and they're just on top of the world. So I love seeing the kids here. Right. Well, you did cool things like you had um, particular giveaways. You didn't like you, you made sure I, I took note of that. Like you made sure that the kids were getting something like it was about the junior anglers. And, you know, there's all these big prizes getting raffled off and there's all these, you know, it, you're at a you're at a bar. And so they're a little out of place right. and you made sure to make them feel comfortable. Like, look, well, this is, this is the thing for the kids. We've got, you had buckets for each one of them. It was really cool because the kids, you know, obviously we're all trying to figure out how to get more kids involved in, in fishing. And one way to get more kids involved in fishing, I think is to take care of the ones that are already involved in fishing right. because they're really the ones that are likely to take their buddy fishing or even more so than, you know, when you when you say that to people like, yeah, just yeah, ask the neighbor kid to, to go fishing with you. That's great. And that's probably going to happen maybe three times a year for most people. If And that would be a lot. But the kid that's going down to the pond or or the canal or wherever, he could take his friend all the time and introduce a ton more people to it. You, you know, the old, uh, the old uh, story or whatever where... You buy the kid, you know, a $500 gift or whatever, and then he puts the $500 gift aside and plays with the box. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of how the five-gallon buckets are for the kids at LonkerCon. You know what I mean? There's all these prizes and stuff, and then when you give them the buckets and you tell them they get a certified bucket, they take that bucket, and they roll with it. Right. And then they're showing their friends, look, I got a certified bucket, you know, at LonkerCon last night, and they're taking pictures of that and putting it on Instagram and stuff. <laughs> And it's just, you know, it, it's nice to see, you know, and um, anytime you can get a kid motivated or inspired or you can just simply make them happy, it makes everybody happy. Right. You know, it's contagious. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting that you have this whole um, really a, a, a giant community of of fishermen. Why do you think it it's you that organized this? Uh, you know to the to the origins of it 
I mean, it kind of started, like you said, it kind of started kind of slow and then got bigger and bigger and bigger. But but it's interesting to me how, you know, I mean, we were talking about um, the Bahamas and you were saying that there are certain people that organize things. Right. You know, like why why do you think why do you think that was you? Well, I think because I, I've never had an agenda, like to push a company or a product. The only thing my agenda was, was to make something fun for everyday fishermen, both the super pro all the way down to the kids. And I think when people see that, it's not normal in our industry. And because of that, they rally behind it. and they all participate, they all help, they all give a little piece to the puzzle. And because they're able to participate that way and they don't expect somebody to be taking care of them or like, for instance, last night was 90 degrees out, <laughs> Yeah, it you was. know, and it was hot. And if that would have been like a corporate event, you know, a sponsored event and, and the heat was like that, people would have got an attitude about it. Like, yeah, you know, they would expect, you know, to be catered to in the, leadership role that I've been able to take with LunkerCon and the whole Real Guy Network, they don't expect that and they want to help you. So it's really not, you know, like me necessarily. It's more about them feeling like they're part of a real community that's not a corporate type of atmosphere. Mm -hmm. It's not a boat show. It's not a fishing seminar. It's not a banquet, you know? It's just real guys that want to hang out with other real guys and feel like they're part of something. And each person that was here last night, whether they donated, whether they brought something, they made a head of kid, you know, they showed up because they wanted to. Almost like a volunteer-type program. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think because of the contrast, it became natural and it snowballed naturally organically and then again you know the way we come off on social media is that way you know what i mean mm -hmm. we're not politically correct <laughs> we don't dress the dress my boat is not the hundred thousand dollars gift that most of the people see and they're like wow you know captain jeff is on the top of the game and he doesn't have the hundred thousand dollar yellowfin he doesn't have fifty thousand dollars worth of electronics He's got a five-gallon bucket and a and a live well and a couple cast nets and some beat-up rods. But because you're able to perform at a high level, people appreciate it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it makes them feel like I don't need to be a superstar in order to com not compete, but to to do our sport at a high level. Yeah, I think it emboldens a lot of people that normally you don't feel like, hey, I don't have the giant truck. I don't have the big boat. But what I do have is I have the passion and the skills to be a good fisherman. And it's something for them. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. I met all kinds of people last night. I met guys that were really super into bridge fishing, guys that were super into, you know, walking these canals out here, uh, guys that were into bass fishing, guys that were, you know, doing everything they could to get any kind of time on a boat whatsoever. And that was, that was super cool. Like it, you, you were able to bring together a lot of different types of people, like somebody, you know, like, like a Peter Miller 
that's competed at, you know, a very, very high level in like the World Sailfish Championships on big boats. Like that's big money, high dollar, right? big profile, high profile, not to mention that he's on TV and everything. But then there's the, the kid that likes to walk the bridges and, and they're right there next to one another, right? Like, hanging out. And, and that was, that was the, the coolest part of the thing. But then I kind of thought, well, now I see this, like it's bigger than you, like you got it started. And that's, that's really something to get it started because most people don't, most people have an idea that wouldn't it be cool if we had like an event or something and then it, it dies right there. Right. And then, but you got it started and it's grown and the community's rallied behind you. And now it looks to me from the outside, like, okay, this thing's bigger than me. How can we use it for good? That's what it seems like. Yeah. I mean, I think it's morphed into that. Everybody, you know, like you said, everybody's common goal is to um, expose people to the great things about the outdoors and about fishing. And when you push it on people, it's a different effect than when people can push it themselves. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, like you feel good after a hard day's work, you know, as opposed to feeling like crap when you sat around and did nothing on the couch all day. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that type of feeling that everybody can take part in and feel good about it. And then, I don't know if you were able to notice how proud some of the guys were to bring their guests to LunkerCon. Hmm. You know, like guys that haven't been there before and they brought their fishing buddy or they brought their girlfriend or they, you know, somebody else's kid. And they're like, you know, showing them the ropes. Like, come on, we're going to, I'm going to show you where, the, you know, you can hang out with these real guys. And yeah, and then, of course, you know, the it, it, did you see the girls working last night? Yeah. They do that because of the positive energy. You know, nobody's getting paid, but they're very into the details. And like I said, it's bigger than me. I mean, my wife, my kid, all these other wives and, you know, they're volunteering and they want to make it special for everybody. And, you know, you walk around, you see the banners and the lights and the, you know, the little detail stuff that I'm horrible at. (laughs) My wife's great at and those women are fantastic at. And then the other thing, too, is like, did you see Marcy with her hats last night? The reason Marcy's there with her hats is because Marcy was uh, part of this fishing club, the Sail Fishing Club that's here in town. And she worked at it and she, you know, um, gave her time and her energy for years. And then she comes out with this apparel line. So I reach out to Marcy and I'm like, make sure you're there. I want you to do good. You know, I want you to expose what you're doing and show people and spread the message. And then she's here. And that positive energy is so contagious. And um, it just comes together. It's a natural thing. And it floors me every time I do it because I look around and I know that these people went out of their way, took their time, money, and energy to spend a little bit of time here. What well, else, you know, what else can you say? Yeah, That's it awesome. certainly wasn't people just from Fort Lauderdale. It was, I mean, I ran into guys from Homosassa, guys from the, from the West Coast came over, guys from the, from, you know, an hour north, an hour south, maybe even more were coming. Um, yeah, it was kind of cool. It was really cool to see, to see, to see it all come together. I mean, it's really unlike anything that I've, that I've seen before. Um, because like you say, the other events that are similar to this are rules meetings for, for tournaments or, yeah a banquet or 
something like that. But I, this I was, call it stuffy. Yeah. Those stuffier events, you know. Well, this one was, wasn't stuffy. It was uh, sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, they they opened the freezer for us at one point, and and uh, there were about twelve of us in the in the freezer, uh, including Rufus Wakeman, who looked like he needed to be in the freezer for a little bit. And we all sat in there for a while, which was just cool. But I liked it that there was just like you said, no agenda. It was really everybody was just kind of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People come from a long way. One of the things that amazed me a few years ago was uh, we always had like online, we would sarcastically pick on the guys on the West Coast, especially about their snooks. Yeah. And we call their snooks half lady fish and, <laughs> you know, you know, fun sparring back and forth. So um, we decided, I think it was five years ago, let's, let's try to do one in Tampa. And I'd never even really been to Tampa before, you know. So me and Lamont get in the car and we're like, oh, we got to find a venue. So we get in the car blind and start driving around Tampa. And we had no clue that St. Pete was 15 miles one way <laughs> and downtown Tampa was 10 miles the other way. And so we didn't even know the geographic. So we're running around Tampa and um, through social media, we're telling people how bad we're failing, you know. And um, uh, Bubba from Flats Mafia, who was... Uh, watch the YouTube videos and, and was, he reached out to me and he said, Jeff, he says, I work at this 81 Bay brewery over here. Why don't you come by and check it out? Maybe we could do it here. So Lamont and I get in the car and we go over there and Bubba being part of the social network, understood what we were trying to do and organically found that place. And then 81 Bay brewery trying to digest the whole thing. They had no clue what it was. It's so hard to explain. They were gracious enough to say, yeah, do it here. And then we show up like two weeks later with the, after promoting the event, and we had like 500 people show up in Tampa. Hmm. And I'd never even hardly been to Tampa before. And it was all about the East Coast versus West Coast, social media, picking on each other and, you know, having fun. And um, so now we've done three over in Tampa. And I'd like to try to do like maybe Louisiana or something, you know, mm. where there's another big yeah. community of guides. And um, see if we can't, you know, even stretch it out a little further. I don't know, you know, the logistics of those places either. But hell, I didn't know it in Tampa, so I would go down there and try one day. Yeah, well, maybe, uh, maybe it's um, New Orleans. Like you get into New Orleans, and then you can pull all the guides up from the Venice area. But a lot of those guides in Venice don't live in Venice. I mean, they they live closer to the New Orleans Bell Chase kind of area, and then they travel <laughs> down there to to fish. You it, know. Yeah, so I I don't know, maybe you know, maybe we'll try something like that in the future, but we'll you know, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's interesting. Couple things. You you call it the real guy network. When did it take shape as a as a network? Like and what do you mean by that? Why why do you call it the real guy network? We call it the real guy network because really it started with the guides. Because once you start fishing, you know, 200 days, you don't have People call you and you can't take them. Right. So because of the social media is you knew who the other guides were, what they were doing, and that you could pair up the people that needed to go fishing with the right guides. So unlike a lot of communities with the guides, I became very friendly with a whole bunch of them. And because I would refer to them, they would refer to me. 
then when we did those tournaments in the old days, we never spent a dime marketing it. It was all done through the network. And then the network snowballed and snowballed and snowballed. And like now the network is so strong and it's so diverse. Guys that are doing TV shows like yourself meet people in the network so they can do an episode. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, I hooked George Gods up with Carl Ball and now they've done TV together and have a, a relationship over and over and over and over again. People in the network are helping other people in the network find places to fish, places to vacation, and actually care whether or not it works for them. Mm. And um, all types, you know. And if I we if we if we did a if we did a post right now on Instagram and needed some information about a small place in Texas, we'd have it in ten minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that is what I mean by the Real Guy Network. And there's so many people that are involved in the Real Guy Network that they don't even know they're involved because they're not sure what, you know, a social media network is or a social network is. But they are in it, you know. The network is strong. I and mean, people talk about networking events over the years where, say, realtors or whatever would show up, you know, to a place and network. This social media network, the Real Guy Network, is just a lot of guys that know a lot of different things that are trying to help each other. And we always say that it's real guys helping other real guys. And that's what the network's all about. From the telephone to shaking hands at the dock, at the boat ramps, to social media, Instagram, YouTube, they've all gotten in the network in one way or the other. Yeah. That's interesting because in some places guiding can be incredibly competitive and I'm sure it is here as well, but you've managed to find your place in it to really in the, the common theme that you keep talking about is helping. Yeah. yeah. Where do you think that comes from with you? Why do you want to help so much? I don't know. I was always, a, I was always like a team player and I knew that being on a team, you know, fishing teams, football teams, if you did your job and you did it well, then you were helping everybody else. And that philosophy, I don't know, has just been embedded. You know, it's part of my DNA. You know, I've always wanted to be a part of um, the best teams that I could get on, compete at the highest level that I could compete with, you know. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I just think it's in my DNA. I think it was in my makeup, you know, to be that way. And, you know, it's not, not everybody's like that. I get it. And, not everybody, you know, it's not the right or wrong way to do anything. But I don't know. I was always thought that if I could do my job and do it great, then it would help the rest of the team. And that's my philosophy in life for, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of people out there that, that might have aspirations of doing something similar and they're afraid to do it. Like they're, they're afraid to take that first step to, to create that, um, that first event or to do whatever it is that they want to do. And they're afraid maybe that, I don't know, man, it's not my place. You know, I don't know if I'm, I want to do it, but like, they just don't have the confidence. What, what kind of advice would you give somebody that's in that situation, whether that is getting their captain's license or maybe they're already a guy and they want to do something like LunkerCon, like bring the community together. What, what kind of advice would you give somebody that wanted to do that? That's currently not. Well, I think, I think the best advice I could give anybody in that situation is 
Don't focus on yourself. Focus on what you can do for your clients, what you can do for your family, you know, what you can do for just about anybody that you can do something for. And if you do that, good shit happens to you. You know what I mean? (laughs) And the more you do that, the more you actually know. You know, when you keep, when you only think to yourself and you put yourself under pressure and it's all about you putting demands on yourself, (coughs) you can get, you know, you can get lost and you, you overthink things and, you know, it makes it more complicated. But if you go through life, whether you're a fishing guide or you sell, what was George doing? He sells satellite phones, the guy yeah. he did yesterday. It doesn't matter what you do or what you're into. If you focus on helping other people, then it will help you. I think that's really a hard concept. But when it when you start doing that, you know, you feel it and you can roll with it. Right. Well, I mean, there's so many people that have said so many, so many times something similar of, you know, if you give – giving will result in in receiving 10 times over and um you know I, I think that's not really the reason why you should give but sometimes when you start giving and start helping and start understanding that concept of the more you give the more you receive without any effort whatsoever and and you're you're doing that i think i think that you're doing exactly that you're giving to this community and you're receiving 10 times over with support, with friendship, with just rallying this community. And then the community is rallying behind you. It's interesting to see. Yeah, it's different. It's different. I mean, one, one of the examples that um, a lot of people in the podcast can relate to is the guys from Saltstrong. Mm-hmm. I didn't know them at all. They called me up on the phone one day and introduced themselves to me. At that point, they were interested in making content for YouTube. And, you know, they wanted a little bit of information and then they wanted, um, they actually wanted to do a podcast over the phone before podcasts were cool, before people actually listened to them. And I'm thinking to myself, well, they had enough balls to reach out to me. They don't know me. They seem like nice guys, but they have motive. You know, they had, they wanted to do something. Mm -hmm. So naturally it just came to me naturally like, sure, you know. Let me, whatever I can do. And they wanted to do a, a telephone interview. And then years later, when we did the event in, in Tampa, they were part of it. Their audience grew and the things that they were trying to accomplish grew. I don't know. It's just kind of a good example, you know, of how the that, that works. Right. They're the ones that actually introduced me to you yeah, at iCast. And that's how the network works. Yeah. You see? And, um. When they introduced me to you, you know, I didn't have an agenda. You know, I didn't need you to do something for me. It was simple, socially correct for you and I to shake hands and to give a half a smile. And then later on, you call me up because you want your father-in-law to go fishing. Right. And that's what I mean. That's how the network works. And people don't even realize that the network is working for them. Until later, and they can look back on it. Oh, yeah, I get it. The Real Guy Network, I see how it worked for me. Or I see how I can participate. I can see how I can make it work for somebody else. Yeah? Yeah. It's interesting, though, that, that uh, you know, there's a fishing community. That's a network in itself. But until you, until you put a name on it and until you, you say, hey, you're a part of this or 
would you like to be a part of this? And it has a name and it has a thing. That's when I think people can identify with it more. And then people want to be a part of it more. Right. And that's what, that's what you did. Like really looking, looking back on it, probably. I mean, you got, you didn't really do anything all that special except that you actually did it. You actually got it started, which is more than most people do or would ever do is that first initial step. And then the thing grows so much behind and then you put a name on it and then you continue to promote it and then it grows and grows and grows. And the other, the other common theme over the years is we, we always have fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We never put anybody in a situation where it's stressful or where people are expected to perform or do something. It's all about having a good time, you know, and you know, our videos, even the podcast that I'm doing, I try to keep the, you know, the lighter side and, um, you know, if I, I, I figure, I figure if I can make somebody laugh or I can make somebody smile and giggle in our, in the fishing world, that's hard. Yeah. You Sometimes, know, I mean, you know, there's some serious people, but there's also, you know, I think fishermen like to have a good time. Oh, they like to have a good time. You just got to get them to let loose. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, that's a common theme with all the lunker dog stuff. You know, people are laughing and having a good time. And, you know, one of the, one of the topics that come up all the time is, you know, well, how do you deal with all the, you know, the, the hate stuff on, on social media? And I think people read into that way too much. Because I think if people hate you, that's not necessarily a bad thing because you're, you're motivating them to do something. Hmm. And if they're hating you, and I always, I always, I always bring it back to wrestling, WWF style wrestling, you know, growing up, I had the guys that I totally loved. You know, I thought they were the greatest thing. Macho Man was my favorite. Hmm. Loved watching Macho Man, you know, but then the Russian that Macho Man, you know, would constantly go up against. I hate it. Right. Throw stuff at the TV, blah, blah, blah. But it made me realize that it's okay to get hated on. It's part of it, you know? And trust me when I tell you, there's plenty of people, you know, that hate on the Lunker Dog stuff, you know, and your stuff and everybody else's stuff. But, man, you can't look at that and, and take it a negative way. You look at that and you say, well, hell, at least I sparked some emotion out of the dude. Mm. At least I got him to type whatever he wanted to type and show his internet muscles. Okay. Maybe it's not cool, but better than nothing. Right. Yeah. You know, there is the opportunity to turn that person around that not, not that that's the agenda. And, and you, I don't know that you should be thinking about it like (laughs) that, but, but for example, I did a podcast with Mike Iaconelli. Mike Iaconelli is one of those type of personalities in the fast world. I'm sure you know who he is. Oh yeah. He's got a huge personality. He's from the North in a traditionally very Southern sport. He dresses different. He looks different. He walks different. He acts different. Everything about him is different and contrary to the traditional bass fishing. He's younger. Well, when he won his first bass master classic, he's younger. Right. And then the way that he celebrate was different than yeah. anything anybody had seen before. <laughs> so I was about to say half the people love him. And half the people didn't love him, but it wasn't more, it was different than that. It was, he was a, he was such a interesting, it happened at such an interesting time because here's this traditionally Southern sport and here's this guy that, that 
is is doing well and he's not from around here he's from somewhere else and he not only that but he came into the sport through this side channel that people don't typically right. come through he right? broke he broke all the rules he, yeah he broke all the rules he he qualified through fishing through the clubs which is totally blue collar and everybody can do that but nobody had right and so he gets in there and he does it and so I, uh, when I did this podcast with him, I was looking through some of his podcast stuff. He has this Ike live show, which is contrary to it, everything out there. He makes fun of everybody, including himself. He's right. the first one to mention, to say that he's like, you know, we're kind of the black sheep of the fishing world because we make fun of everybody, even ourselves, maybe mostly ourselves. So I'm looking through the comments and stuff and I see just comment after comment after comment of people going, Man, at first I hated this guy, and now I'm a fanboy. And then even on on the podcast I did with him, I got a lot of comments like that. Like, I had no idea what to expect from this guy. And you talk to him for an hour and a half, and these people get to know him on a totally different level. Right. And they're like, dang, man. Yeah, he's not I a like jerk. That he's a guy. good dude. Right. Yeah. I like that guy. And yeah. sometimes – you know, with these with these little bits of Instagram information or even Twitter or even Facebook or something like that, or even YouTube videos that are 20 minutes long or a television show, you're not fully getting to know that person. And that's what I really like about the podcast is going to these interesting people like yourself, giving them the opportunity to let people understand what's going on behind all of this. And, and for somebody like Mike Iaconelli, that was huge for him to have this platform of a, of a podcast, not my podcast. He's got his own podcast platform, but it's this platform of him allowing people to get to know him on a different level. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's really working for him. The, um, but, and I think, I think when you are able to turn somebody around, like you're saying, mm -hmm. it was kind of like, like when you're a kid and there's another kid that you're a rival with and you guys end up fighting and competing and really, you know, for the same girlfriends, the same whatever sports thing. And you really don't like them. Until and, you're best and, friends. Right. And then in high school or something, you know, you end up turning and then he becomes your best friend. And I think because of the contrast and when you're able to turn it even stronger, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You remember, uh, uh, remember the Titans. Remember that movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It wasn't that what it was called. Remember the Titans, or it was something it had Denzel Washington in there, and he was the coach, and and it was this black and white um, football team, and there was all this racial right. tension, right, right. and you had the alpha white guy and the alpha black guy, and they hated one another. Right. And then they go and they they're hitting in practice, and whatever this one dude dishes out, the other guy's dishing out, and they realize, man, we are exactly alike. <laughs> Like everything that I value, he values. Right. And I'm not beating this guy because he's never going to let me beat him. And he's never going to beat me because I'm never going to let him beat me. And we are identical. 
And because even that, though we're they black and we're other. white, and then they become best friends of ever. But yeah, you 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 see that that was a that was such a great way that they did that in that movie. But it's exactly what you're talking about about having these rivals, and then you realize we're rivals because we're so similar, not because we're so different. Right. But you don't ever understand that until you sit down with that person or you have some experience with that person to where you're in a in a in a situation of survival or you're in a situation of Finally having the opportunity, maybe you're both broken down out on the water and there's eight hours where you're waiting for <laughs> someone to come pick you up and you get an opportunity to talk and you're like, huh, yeah, this person's just like me. Yeah. And, you know, you know, I, 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 I see over and over and over again is guys that work really hard, you know, that really apply themselves and it doesn't matter what it is connect with other dudes that are working really hard and all the barriers are broken because there's an instant um, command of respect between the two. And whether it's racial, whether it's, you know, West Coast, East Coast, you know, saltwater, freshwater, whatever it is, when the one dude looks over and is like, that guy's working really hard, they can't help it. They mm -hmm. They have to at least show some respect whether they like it or not you know and um it's something that's deep down in everybody you know and whether they know it or not whatever but so you're a guy that has we've we've had this social media conversation so many times almost every time i talk to you because you seem as as fascinated with social media as i am i'm fascinated with it because i think that it is it has become such a big part of our world I think there's huge opportunities there, but at the same time, I also see that it really, in a lot of ways, is just tearing society apart. And so when you say something like that, like, do you think that there's more of a, of a, uh, of a desire to connect or less because of social media? I think there's more, more of a desire to connect, whether people will express themselves that way. Maybe not, but, you know, social media is change, right? Change is never easy. And I think that's what we're all seeing and trying to figure out. And um, also nothing good is ever easy, hmm. you know? So, I mean, I'm not exactly the, the biggest optimist in the world, but I do know that when when things are really bad sometimes and things that, you don't think are positive, end up being very positive. And I think social media is going through that. I also think that, um, you know, remember, social media is driven by companies. Companies are profit-driven. So a lot of the stuff that people are figuring out now, they didn't understand at the beginning. Like, for instance, like the number of likes, the number of messages, the number of views somebody gets. At the beginning of the social media thing, I think, you know, everybody got high on, wow, I got a million views on that video or I got, you know, a, a thousand likes on this photo or whatever. And I think as we're getting through the forest of social media, people are realizing, well, maybe it's not about the million people, but it's about the 10 dudes or the 10 people that I've actually were able to help or change or motivate or inspire. And I think that's what we're going to see in the future with social media. You know what I mean? It's not going to be about, wow, I got a million 
views. It's going to be like, what did my social media help me and other people accomplish? How did my social media, you know, do something rather than just numbers? Hmm. You know what I mean? The numbers are for Google. The numbers are for Facebook. That's so they can show advertisers, you know, this is the type of exposure you're getting. But for the participants, for the content makers, I think they're starting to realize that numbers aren't everything and the power is in your message. Your power is in how you can help people. You know what I mean? And I think that's going to be the, the, the change that we see here in the next two or three years. I hope that's a very positive change. I mean, if you're measured on the on the on the power of your message rather than the the number of likes, that's that's uh, pretty important. I mean, well, that. Well, I mean, a good example is podcasting. Mm-hmm. OK, what is it? What is a sponsor, an advertiser willing to pay for a thousand people listen to a podcast as opposed to what they're willing to pay? for a thousand people to watch right. a YouTube video. And when video. you put a when you put an economic value on that, then it becomes very clear. So uh most of that, just for the, the audience, most of that is sold in cost per thousand. And a very low cost per thousand would be a dollar, right. fifty cents, maybe even less for some things. And that's going to be something that is broadcast across millions and millions and millions of impressions, hoping that the right person comes across it sometimes that might be a uh, a commercial on icy hot that is that you might see in the middle of the day but you also might see it at four o'clock in the morning and you might change the channel on the television and it might be over there too and you might go on your social media feed and there it is too they're taking the bottom of the barrel and going mass yeah going for the masses and then on the other hand you have somebody that knows exactly who their audience is and they might pay a thousand dollars, a thousand, for their message to be delivered to exactly the right person. So, the the cost per thousand is important to understand because, like Jeff's saying, is that if if you can sell something for a hundred dollar cost per thousand rather than a one dollar cost per thousand, then that audience is somehow more valuable because they are more engaged in the message. So for example, if Jeff is able to rally 300 people to the Tarpon River Brewing because of a couple of things, that tells me, wow, not only was he able to, he didn't get 300 likes, he got 300 people to get off the couch and drive an hour to come to this event. That's super important. So those 300 people are worth more than somebody else that has that might get 3000 likes but could never get someone to attend something ever yeah, yeah, yeah. right yeah and, and and you know i think like i said i think that's the evolution i think people are going to learn that and they're going to see the value in it and they're going to see how they can participate in social media and make it work you know for them in a, in a different way and, it's interesting there too you're you're talking about the difference between um using social media as a tool versus having social media be your identity. Correct. And that's, that's what a lot of young people are struggling with right now is that social media and man, I feel sorry for them because I mean, like you've got a daughter almost the same age as mine. These kids grew up with this. There has never been a time where they didn't exist. Right. Where my oldest son, there was a time when it didn't exist. And I remember that, 
that we were we were talking about when he should get a Facebook page. He wanted a Facebook page so bad. And at that time, I mean, he was like in seventh grade. And so there's a period of his life from seventh grade to maybe second grade that he can remember well. And social media didn't exist for him. It was not on the radar. But my daughter, who's 16 now, it's always been there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, people worry about the kids. And, you know, of course, I'm concerned also. Kids are smart. You know what I mean? And they're going to figure it out. And when we were kids, you know, it was about the playground and who the bully was and how you had to stand up for yourself. And it, socially, it was different. All right. So these kids, it's socially different. And some of them are going to get the shit kicked out of them. Some of them, you know, it's going to be hard. But it was hard, you know, for kids when we were growing up, too. Mm -hmm. It's just different. The kids are smart and they got, you know, energy and they see things. And we just have to have faith that they're going to make it through. Same stuff that we had to make it through. And, you know, you got kids, I got kids. The only thing we can really do is to educate our kids and let them know that they have to make smart decisions. Period. If we can do that, they're going to be fine. Well, there's one more element to it in my style of parenting. And I was actually <laughs> talking to, uh, to Fraser Simpson about it last night. He was asking me, he's like, so you seem to have raised some really good kids. And he's got a young, young boy at home, two year old. I think he's like, what's the secret to raising a, you know, a, a a good boy like that. And I was like, dude, first of all, you just got to be there and be present. But then, then I started thinking about it. And I was like, I mean, we tried to show our kids and teach our kids what the best choice was, why this choice is a better choice than that choice, why someone would want to do that. And then on the small things that we can clearly see that they're about to make a mistake, you let them go ahead and make that mistake. Right. It's not drinking and driving and going to prison. It's a small thing. You're going you're gonna to be able to fix this. We're going to watch him fail. All with the hopes, and what I've always been uh, uh, an advocate of, is I want them to want to make the right choice. I don't want to be on them all the time about making the right choice. I want to show them what the right choice is and prepare them so that when they are out there on their own, they want to make the better choice. Right. It's not a right choice or a wrong choice. There's a better choice and a poor choice. And that's what we've tried to do. And it's like, there's a big difference between getting someone to want to do the right thing rather than feeling obligated to do the right thing. Right. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a, yeah, that's a good good point and excellent theory. The um, watching Frazier talk to you last night was cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, because Frazier reached out to me um, years ago. Um, he was starting to do his guiding, and he's a good captain, you know, runs big boats. And he wanted to do his fly fish guiding, and, you know, I helped him a little bit. And he brought you up then. Hmm. Yeah, oh, you know, I, I, I emailed back and forth to Tom Rowland. Then we do a podcast together and then he's asking me about you and, you know, and you could tell that, you know, that you were somehow or another, you know, inspired him or helped him or you know, he liked you. And then to w watch him be able to just hang out with you last night and you could tell, you know, at least I could because I knew the background. I was like, 
that means a lot for a guy like Frazier. You know what I mean? Well, it means a lot for me. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, I mean, I remember him reaching out. And he even told me last night. He was like, I reached out to a whole bunch of people and asked questions. And he only got responses from two people. And the two people that he mentioned happened to do pretty well in the in the fishing business. So it's very interesting. I was one of them. And uh, I don't know. I always try to do that, man. Just like um, feel like there was a time when I reached out to a lot of people and people, uh, a few people did not help. In fact, they, they purposefully put roadblocks there. And so I decided I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm not going to do that. If somebody reaches out, I'm going to help them. And in that case with Fraser, I, I tried to gave him a, a response like if he if he put the time to put a question together like he did that was just about a one page email and i read that that deserves a response yeah yeah well i mean do you you know what i mean it's hard to touch a grown man you were able to do that <laughs> that did. sounds so weird it does sound weird <laughs> you were able to do that and then also the you know the the network like we were talking about earlier you know that's that's how it works. Yeah. You know, I didn't know that you had some sort of relationship with Fraser Simpson through emails and stuff until, you know, he told me. And then now you guys are hanging out at LunkerCon together and you could tell, you know, it was like, that's the magic to it. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why it's, you know, it's organically gets so big and people are attracted to it and are happy when they're here. Bits and pieces, you know? Yeah. Well, that's cool. But it, I, I can promise you that LunkerCon has the success of LunkerCon is not dependent on, on Peter Miller or me or George Gods or whoever other television personality comes. These guys are here because they are rallying behind a community that you've created. And if none of those people showed up, these, uh, every, the rest of the people would still show up. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. But it's interesting that George, Peter, myself, and many others wanted to come. Carrie Rufus. Right. But I mean, but, but it it means the same. That's what I don't think some people might not understand is like, or you get the emails and it's like, you're a really busy guy, but I'm going to ask you this anyway. Well, yeah, but that's, that's my role in all of this is like to, to listen and to be there for those people as well as do whatever it is that I'm, that I'm doing. But if, if you can't take the time to, answer an email from somebody that has sent it to you because they looked at you for, man, I would like to do whatever it is that that person has done or, and that's why I'm sending out this email. If you just disregard that as they don't have time for that, then what do you have time for? Right. Right. What's life really about? What are you doing out there? (laughs) I mean, seriously. Yeah, really. I mean, and I would, I would assume that like big stars are, you know, for every one of those emails I get, they get 10,000. Okay. So I see you can't answer all of those, but that's also just a poor channel to try to communicate with that person. Right. And that's, that's also the case. I mean, some people try to communicate me with me on Facebook messenger which I never use. And I might go on Facebook every now and then. And there's all these messages there. I'm like, oh man, (laughs) (laughs) this is just the wrong channel for me. 
if you hit me on Instagram or if somehow you get my phone number and text me, I'm getting back to you or an email. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting hit. back to you. I, I, that's what I look at. It. I look at um, you know different ways they reach out. And I, if the email, when somebody emails, I put that in a higher priority list as opposed to, like you say, messenger or, you know, a, a comment somewhere. Okay, this guy found my email. Right. Spent the time and energy to yes. send me the message. So, okay. But I'm, that guy might have also sent you 50 messages on YouTube and you didn't respond to him. Okay. Instead of being upset that you didn't respond to him, okay, well, this is, he obviously doesn't use uh, this, right? Let I me mean, move along. You have to, out. you have to find the, the right channel of communication for anyone. And, every, and I feel like most people would respond if you communicate with them in a way that they're used to communicating. And that's what we have to do with sponsors, with, with everybody, podcast guests, the people that I'm trying to connect with on the podcast, I might send somebody five or six messages, emails, right, and nothing, just dead end. And it's like, okay, well, he doesn't check that. So I'd I'm like to try another way. Yeah, I'd like to see one of these technical geniuses, you know, out of Silicon Valley or whatever, figure out the next step with the messaging and emails and all the different ways people reach out. Can you consolidate that shit? Well, they already little... did. They did it on an Office episode. It was, <laughs> did, do you like The Office? My kid likes The Office. Oh, she makes man. me watch you gotta, it. Watch you got to watch that. It was called um, A Wolf. And uh, they Ryan at The Office, he, he consolidated everything. So it was like, and it was uh, an acronym, W-O-L-F-F or something like that. And it was like, if you got a text, a fax, an email, a, a that's a, you know, any kind of comment or everything, it all came in at once. And so like somebody would send somebody something and then the fax machine's going, everything's dinging and banging and popping. And, uh, that was, that was a great episode. It was really funny. So I, you might want to watch that before you, before, before wish, you for wish for it, because it was not, it didn't go down as, as good as they thought it was going to. But, um, yeah, there are things like that where, you know, like a company that, um, has a whole bunch of different platforms where people are, you know, they're, they're messaging them on Instagram. They're putting comments. All of that does consolidate into, into one thing that you get on your phone, but then, you know, then your phone's going nuts. Like when you get put in some group text, like you're, you're, you've got daughter that, that plays sports. Have you ever gone to one of those uh, sports meetings for the first of the year? And they, they're like, well, we're putting everybody in a group text. Oh my God, please. (laughs) No, I just go right away, remove or whatever it is, what you're not, you know, to remove you out of there. Yeah. And my wife, bless her heart, she stays in those things and she can't say no. But I'm like, immediately, not, you don't want to wait like three days and then the conversation gets to something that's like political or something. And you're like, remove. Then they're like, oh, how dare him i can't he is such a jerk but if you do it before anything anything is said group me delete out i'm out yeah well any type of group messaging stuff uh group text group anything when you're fishing all the time totally blows because you can't follow along right and you see bits and pieces of it yeah and then you're afraid to text anything back because you have no clue what exactly is going on right so you just ignore everything yes at least i do anyway yeah but the group text (laughs) i'm not a fan of group text i'm a big fan of text but not group text i do not like those things (laughs) for all the same reasons like it just that thing's just going all the time and here's like 
what are these people doing? Because somebody on that group text is not working today. So they got all the time in the world. You're working. You're trying to get some stuff done. And, you know, that the phones, yeah, there's like funny videos coming through and, you know, pictures of stupid stuff. And it's like, okay, this is complete distraction. Yeah, 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 yeah. So how did you like uh – how did you like Julian in the brewery? Oh, loved it. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, These man. Guys just, no, this yeah. place is awesome. It's uh, situated in a really cool place. You gave me a tour of Fort Lauderdale, which uh, from a local perspective was very interesting to me because I assumed Fort Lauderdale was much larger than than it is. But the way that you gave me this little tour and how you go down the beach and look for the bait and all that stuff, and you gave me the fisherman's perspective of basically this is Fort Lauderdale. This is all you need to know. And it's really not all that big. It's really not all that intimidating at all because, honestly, I don't go to Miami. I don't go to Fort Lauderdale. Right. I just don't. Yeah. Um, I don't – I'm almost afraid. I don't go to Atlanta. I try not to go to Nashville. <laughs> I try not to go to L.A. I mean, I try yeah, to avoid – Not the metropolitan. Right. I mean, unless, you know, my wife wants to go to dinner someplace really nice or something, we'll, we'll do that. But, I, you know, you're driving by and it's like take the – take the, you know, the expressway around the city or go straight through. I'm always taking the <laughs> expressway around the city. So, you know, I don't, I don't know Fort Lauderdale uh, at all. And it was really cool. But this place, what I like about Fort Lauderdale right now is that there's still places like this, like this is old. And there are these low slung buildings around here, these one story little office things that look like a little bungalow. Right. And then there are a few of those left. But as you were showing me when there, and, and probably I could see a crane out the window right now, if I looked out there, there's, there's a lot of construction going on, but Fort Lauderdale has still been able to maintain some of the old, it seems like. Yeah. I mean, people, you know, they, they see all the suburbs and they just say, Oh, that's Fort Lauderdale. No, it's not. Fort Lauderdale is that little loop that I showed you. And, um, you know, growing up here, you know, you can see with that little loop, um, all the boats, all the places to fish, you know what I mean? But it's also still that small loop. So the community, pretty hard for you not to find each other mm -hmm. if you're really in downtown Fort Lauderdale. You know, a lot of people left. It's turned into a big city. But I'm glad that you got to see what I call the loop. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Was I liked good. it and the way that you brought in the... It happens that the the mullet are moving in really good, so you showed me some mullet schools on the beach too. And <laughs> then I then I got kind of excited. I was like, oh, so you just drive down this beach, you can you can do your fishing. I mean, you're doing your fishing in the car for the most part, and then you're like, oh, well, there's you're, the bait. So now let's go get in the boat, and now we'll go. Yeah, your car is like your 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 tuna tower. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and you scope everything that. out, and then you say, okay, the fish are in close. I'm gonna go to this part of the beach and fish from the beach. Oh, the fish are out far. I got to get the boat and, you know, and, you know, you get a little strategy. And uh, those same places that, you know, we drove, um, you catch fish on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. You hold up a big fish and the people are driving by and they're honking at you and mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, we have YouTube videos like, uh, you know, we, Tim O'Connor, I can call three-time Happy Bait World Champ, right? Mm -hmm. He caught a fish down there right in front of the elbow room one year, you know, 150 pounder, big tarpon. And when he first took the fish, there were three people watching. By the time he got the fish in, and you can see it on YouTube, there was literally 200 people on wow. the beach waiting, you know, to see that fish landed. Only in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, you know, there's some charm to it, you know. And uh, 
eh, Fort Lauderdale's just a special place, and hopefully it stays that way. Yeah. 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 Well, you can see that the, the, the winds of change are, are pushing hard to uh, to upgrade it, change it, high-rise it. But uh, I'm really hoping that the small towns on the west coast of Florida and the rest of Florida kind of look at, okay, we still have you know some great things here in Fort Lauderdale. We also ruined a lot of things here. And I just hope, I wish, and I pray that they are, will use Fort Lauderdale and Miami as an example of how not to destroy the most valuable things in your community, like water. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fishing, beaches, you know what I mean? And that's why people want to be here. That's why all these millions of people are down here. So if you concrete everything, well, then where does that leave you? And we did that here on the East Coast between Palm Beach and Miami. So I'm hoping the small towns, Punta Gorda, Port Charlotte, um, all those little tiny you know, fishing towns north of Tampa, please pay attention to what happened here. Yeah. And let it be a guide. It's all with the city planner's office, really. I mean, it's it's all about somebody standing up and saying, you know what? Green space is super important. And we're going to say no to this big development, which would mean a lot of money for the city. But we're going to say no because we think it's going to be a lot more money in the future, like in the long run. Kind of like catch and release. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Years ago, that was unheard of. Now, that's common practice. And if you don't, you're looked down upon. So let's hope. That's what we can do, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a great place to end it. So I'm going to ask you this: if you have, uh, if you're at a blue sky, and this could be about your uh, lunker cons, it could be about, you know, your your charter business, your family, whatever. If you're at a blue sky, what do you see the next the next few years looking like? Well, of course, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my my guiding business, you know, as a priority. You know, pays the bills, feeds the family. But I think I'm most excited and where I see the biggest future, at least for me, in the stage that I'm in, is I'm really hoping that I can grow my podcast on a consistent level the same way we grew our YouTube channel. And maybe I don't have to fish 200 days a year. Maybe I can do 100 days a year, but I can still um, maintain the income level, maintain the um, interest in the sport through my podcast because podcasting unlike YouTube, it's a little more intimate. It doesn't take a team of people to actually do it. So you can do a lot yourself and you can control a lot of it without a lot of baggage. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping and I'm thinking I've been able to see the future fairly well. And I'm hoping that's where my future goes mm -hmm. in one form, fashion. Another, maybe it's not, exactly podcasting or whatever but i really believe that um i can grow and be progressive from doing 200 days a year on the water to staying in the industry and being able to get that same type of productivity through maybe my podcast right and that that's where i'm at right now so how how would uh the people listening to this podcast help you to to accomplish that being part of it one at a time you know what i mean yeah Hopefully, this conversation opens some people's eyes up to LonkerCon, to the Real Guy Network, to the relationships between guys like you and me, and like you said, the bridge fishermen, the pier fishermen, the beach fishermen, one listener, one viewer at a time. Mm -hmm. And that's the way I'm going to take it. And 
The one thing that I know is that good things come from hard work. So we keep working hard and we'll right roll on. with it. I'm going to throw this out there because after last night when I got in the car um, to leave, I was like, man, that was really cool. That was that was really cool. And then I started thinking about it and I was like, you know, that's we need to do that with the podcast, like live podcasts. So like, for example, we're we're both on the Waypoint Collective. It's a little network. It's like the real guy network of podcasting. Right. And so what if there was like maybe it's not LunkerCon, but it's something else where where I mean, last night I had it. More people tell me that they like the podcast than they like the television show. Or maybe it's because it's newer or whatever. A lot of people talked about the television show and their favorite episodes and all that, which was humbling and interesting. But they were talking about the podcast. Love the podcast, man. I love what you're doing with the podcast. That's awesome. Love to hear it. But my thought is, okay, just as those people enjoyed being a part of this and being a part of the conversations that were going on, don't you think that they would want to be part of these conversations like they could be sitting right here and maybe even ask questions and maybe even be part of this conversation. And maybe it could be a panel of, of, you know, the salt strong guys, yourself, myself, whoever else is, is, is on that. And you kind of create some little event, which might be small at first, might be 10 people, but I think that it would grow. And I think there may be, maybe other opportunities where, it's like a, it's like a learning, it's like a learning time for people to go and they can, they can listen to these conversations with these experts and biologists and people, whatever they're interested in. There could be like a opportunity to be a part of it. So I don't know. You can think about that. We'll put it together. Well, if you can come up with a good idea, I come up with a good idea. We'll put it together. Yeah, one, one, one day at a time. Stay progressive. And like I said, we work hard at what we do. And things will things will happen in the long run. That's the way I look at it. So, yeah, let's see what happens with the podcast. I'm having a good time. And like I said, that's kind of like what leads me and the Real Guy Network is have a good time, work hard, and take it from there. I love it. So tell them how they can follow all your stuff. Just, uh, you can Google Lunker Dog. You can uh, subscribe to the Real Guy Podcast. Um, I mean, we're on every single form of social media. And we have multiple channels, according to what you're into. And um, yeah, I mean, Google does a great job. Type in Jeff Maggio or Lunker Dog, and um, you'll see the different venues, whatever you're into. And, uh, you know, we're good at some, not so good at others. So, you know, it is what it is. And, um, and I encourage everybody to reach out. You know, even if it's just, you know, hey, Jeff, love what you do to those detailed questions like Frazier was asking you if you don't reach out and um, and um, you know try you're never going to get anything back so I encourage everybody to do that and um, yeah Google Lunker Dog you'll get it <laughs> right on alright man thanks again Jeff I appreciate it run and, that dog uh, run that dog <laughs> <laughs>